I'd like to say that I hope you enjoy it. It's going to be a little bit different, um, but that's silly because preaching isn't for enjoyment. We can enjoy messages. Don't get me wrong. I've enjoyed messages, and I think I've said that, but, but preaching challenges us. It convicts. There's an area in our life that we're not faithful in. Maybe we're, we're struggling with a sin. It can convict. It convicts to salvation. It's not my words. It's the gospel, right? I've struggled with that a lot of times. What can I say? What can I say to convince a person to accept the Lord? That's not my job. My job is to live it and give the gospel. But it also strengthens. We're not, we're not unfaithful or we don't struggle in every area. It can strengthen and it can teach. It can do a number of things. It's not for our enjoyment. So I hope this blesses you. I hope God uses it, whether it's today or some other time in your life. Like I said, it's going to be a little bit different. So what we're going to do here is I'm going to give you the story of the donation. Okay, I know some people are looking forward to that. I was already approached. But uh, to give you a little bit of the background, because if you don't understand that, you won't get to the, what the message is. And then we're going we're gonna to pray first. Um, we'll give the story. And then we'll uh, get into God's word. Because the focus here is why. And I'm not, this isn't like the only person that's ever done this why, but it was my why, so, I want, we'll, so we'll share it with you. So let's open in prayer, and then we'll get started. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we just, I just thank you for uh, meeting with us here today, Father. I just thank you for this church. It's a beacon in this community, Father, that stands upon your word for uh, Pastor and uh, Joe, Father, as they lead it. And just, Lord, you just continue to bless it as they continue to serve this community, continue to focus on you, Father, Focus on the gospel and reaching others. We know it's a place that we come and worship, Lord, and where we learn and we grow. But, Lord, the, the mission you've given us is to reach the world. So I just thank you for them. I thank you that there is their focus. Lord, as you be with me as I uh, do this. Um, you know, so it's, I find it difficult, Father, to talk about this. But, Lord, uh, just uh, be with me and let it, you be the, get the glory out of it, Father. Um, I pray that it blesses them as it has me and, uh, and you continue to use it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So kidney donation. Um, so we moved to eastern Pennsylvania about 2013. This isn't going to work. Um, and the uh, Lord had led us there. And um, we used to live in central Pennsylvania. We'll talk about the move a little bit, but we're not, that's not really a lot of the focus. And about 2015, the beginning of 2015, I was serving as a youth leader. And as a youth leader, often we would just we would take turns uh, delivering the message to the youth. And the first thing we would always do is ask for prayer requests. So I said, "Is there any prayer requests?" Now, one of the other leaders, we had a number of couples, Tina and uh, Steve Price. Tina raises her hand and says, "I want to. I need to pray for a." And I quote, "A dear friend." And I caught that even then. But the more I thought about it, she used the adjective "dear." She didn't say just a friend not a close friend, this is someone that she cared about, and she said, this person is in need of a kidney. Um, their kidney is failing, they're about to go on dialysis. If you didn't know, dialysis is the, the external filtration. What our kidneys do is they remove a, a waste product that our muscles create called creatinine, and that builds up in the body. The kidneys filters that, and it goes in the urine, and you pee it out. If you don't do that, it builds up, and eventually you will die. So she was about to go on it. And I can honestly tell you, I don't even remember praying for her than that. I'm assuming we did, but I don't remember that. Um, and I, sadly, I can't even remember if I prayed for her afterwards, um, whoever this was. I didn't know who it was at the time. So fast forward about probably three days, and we're in the morning service, and Pastor Mark, our previous pastor, calls on Donna. 
just in the morning service, Donna would like to say something, and Donna stands up. Now, her name was Donna Dunlap, and she says, I'm in need of a kidney. My kidney's failing, and um, I'm about to go on dialysis. Now, I'll give you a little bit of background here, because I, I found out later. Donna's mother had taken a fertility drug when she was younger to, to be able to have children, and they didn't know at the time that the fertility drug destroyed the baby's kidneys. So if you're wondering why Donna needed a kidney, she was born with one kidney and it was already damaged. The other kidney was, was pretty much gone. Um, and so that had gotten to the point where she's about to go on dialysis. Now the problem with dialysis is, once you go on dialysis, the chances of rejection of a kidney donation later on are increased. So you don't wanna go on dialysis if you don't have to. Anyhow, this hits me. I'm sitting there in the pew. Let me tell you, I don't know Donna. I've never met Donna, really, other than I knew she went to church. She was saved because they had joined the church, and of course you have to go before the deacons and profess salvation and give your testimony. But I didn't know anything about her. I wasn't close to her. I couldn't tell you right now where she even lives. I've never been to her house. I've never gone on vacation with her. Her children were in youth group. I wasn't close to them. Those of you that went to uh, Israel know the family, the cowards, we're very close with. I'm close to their children. I just officiated their son's wedding. Um, because they couldn't find anybody else. Um, but anyway, you don't ask someone that you're not close to do that. I've been on vacation with them. I've watched them. Um, me and Julie have, but I'm not close to their, to their children. Um, financially speaking, I'm way well off than Donna is, and I, and I say that for a reason. You'll get the point. Um, never served with her. Never sat down with a fellowship dinner with her. But something wouldn't let me go when she said this. So I prayed about it, and I talked to Julie. And, and everybody says, oh, you did it. Julie was a big part of this. Because when I asked Julie, you know what she said? Okay. Really? Um, and that, trust me, when you're led to do something, so spouses, when you have the support of your spouse, it makes a huge deal. So anyway, I made the phone call. Now, I had to talk to a coordinator. And here's the thing about the kidney donation. You know what has to match? 100%. You cannot go forward if this does not match the blood. You have to have a match in blood types or else you cannot continue with the kidney donation. There's a lot of other things you have to go through. Those they'll kind of work around, but a no-go is the blood. And of course, we had, this, we had adapted the same blood type. Um, so I was able to donate. And then you go through a battery of tests. You go through a kidney scan. You have to take that terrible dye that takes the metallic taste in your throat and they scan the kidneys to look for the, the vessels, to look at the size of the kidneys. You go through a blood test to make sure the kidney functions fine. They check the heart, they check the lungs. I had to see a psychologist, so I'm not nuts, um, and he didn't even know why I was there. I had to see a social worker. The social worker asks you, are you gonna be okay if this kidney fails? I'm like, what do you mean, a kidney fails? She goes, well, sometimes people don't take their medicines. I said, I'll kill her. I said, so this, the, you don't have to worry about that, but um, and are you getting paid? I'm like, what? She goes, oh yeah, people, people get, you can get $20,000, $30,000 for a kidney. I'm like, no. Um, and so we went through with the donation. Um, obviously everything worked out fine. When I woke up, I remember asking about Donna. She was still in surgery. My kidney was too big. It was actually sticking out her side and they had to go back in. My doctor went back in to rearrange everything so she didn't have this bulge out her side. But everything's working fine. It wasn't that terrible. Um, I, I pushed it a little bit and uh, felt a little sick afterwards. But the Lord blessed and we're, and we're fine. She's doing well, if you're wondering. Continues to take her drugs. 
he wants to live. Um, and so, um, you know, we go. But the question is, is why? Why, why did I do this? I didn't know Donna. She had nothing really to offer me. But so I want to get in that. So turn to Proverbs. Um, just turn to chapter 3. Just hold there, because we're going to look at a couple verses there. But I'm going to do a little introduction before we get started. And kind of take you, again, this is kind of a little bit of a testimony. I said it's a little bit different. Besides the story, which we're done with the story, there'll be a little story here there. It's a little bit of a testimony, a little bit of a walk that the Lord took me through. So a little bit different than a, than a typical sermon. But we will be in God's word, because I don't think you can be up here without being in God's word. So. All right, so we serve an active God, amen? He's active. And now, the world is operating. I believe the world operates, but God is in control. There's nothing that doesn't happen that he does not allow. Now, that does not mean that he does everything, because we know that sin causes a lot. James 1, 13 and 14 said, Let no man say, say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither he tempteth any man. But it gives us the, the root cause here in verse 14. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away with his own lust and enticed. Sin is the cause of a lot of things. We have free will. I believe God has set everything in motion. And again, let me say this so we're clear. Nothing happens that he does not allow. Okay? But Ecclesiastics 9.11 says, I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill, but time and chance happen to them all. The world is in motion. God has set this world in motion. I'll give an example is the weather, right? God created the weather. God created the currents. God created El Nino, El Nino, the things that cause the weather, right? He's not go, rain here, rain there, rain every day in Wales. He is in control of it. Now, I can tell you that if you look on the radar and it is green and it looks like it is going to rain and they say there is a 100% chance of rain, if God says it's not going to rain, it's not going to rain. Okay, it's funny. We were talking about that yesterday. And by the way, this is important because of prayer. Prayer does something. Best way I can say it, that within his will, it causes him to act. Sometimes we think, and I've thought, that you, you know what I want. You, and you're going to do what you want anyway, but that's not the case. James says, ye have not because ye ask not. But then goes on to say, ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss that you can make consume it in your own lusts. I think when I get to heaven, you ever have a pastor stand up here and say, when we get to heaven, we'll ask God or we'll find out. And I don't know if that's a thing that we're going to get to close God. But I think if I ask him, why didn't this happen or why did you allow that to happen? He's going to go, you didn't pray. Because not everything, because it's within his will, it will occur. But again, prayer does something. He's active. He's active in our personal lives. And we'll get to that um, in verse, in one of my favorite verses, which is in Proverbs 3. It says, uh, verse 5, chapter 3, it says, Trust in the Lord with all my heart, lean not on thy own understanding, in all thy ways acknowledge him, and what? He shall direct thy paths. He's active in our personal lives, in, um, in, the, way, in the way we act. Now, he uses a number of things to direct us. He uses people. He brings people into our lives. He brought me and Donna together. 
right? He brings people that sometimes will give us that godly wisdom. Sometimes they give us the help we need, but he brings people. He uses situations. I said he's in control. There's nothing that doesn't happen that he does not allow, but he is active. He does things in a certain situation. Sometimes we think, well, how's this going to work out? But if it's God's will, and that's his will for your life, he will take care of the details. It's silly that we worry about things that, well, this, we have to do our part. Do not get me wrong. Sitting back in the house and saying, okay, God, just do your thing. We need to do what we need to do, but we need to rely on the Lord. The, f the fact that I got to New London, and I'll talk about that a little later, was God working. I, I could have lived anywhere. But the fact that Broad got to me, and I'll talk about that later. But he uses feelings. And this one you have to be very careful about. Right? Every feeling must be tested against this. If we have a feeling that I'm going to leave my spouse, or you're going to leave your spouse, that is not God's feeling. That is not God putting feeling. But sometimes he gives us peace, or a lack of peace about something. Sometimes you're praying about something, and God, do you want me to do this? It's not contrary to his word, and you have no peace about it. When I, was, when I made this decision, when I said, I'm going to go through with this, I had such peace. I tell you what, I did not stress. I did not worry. And I looked into it. When, you, when you're about to go, I've never had major surgery, except this time. And I looked into every one of these details. I don't, Julie, like my wife, loves to watch these stupid surgery shows. Ask her what happens. I leave the room. I, she wanted them to film it. I wanted, there's no way they're going to film it. Um, I wanted nothing to do with it. But I had peace the entire time that this is what his will was. But you know the, way, the main way he speaks to us? This is called the word of God, right, for a reason. And this is one of the ways he spoke to me with, through this. Now, it wasn't verbal. And I like this. I, I said this once. I was teaching uh, Awana. And I said, God, this is how God speaks to us. He doesn't verbally speak to us anymore. I had, a t I had a parent the next week in the class tell me that God had spoke to her. I didn't know how to even respond to that. He didn't speak to me verbally. If he spoke to you verbally, that's, that's, that's great. But um, he spoke to me of this. A verse just hit me. Sometimes it's, it's direction. Sometimes we get a direct verse that shows us direction. But this hit me. So in Proverbs, turn over to verses, uh, turn to verse uh, 27 and 28. And I'm just reading my Bible. I'm just reading my Bible in the morning, as I often did, and I read these verses, and it just smacked me. And this is years ago. This is probably about 30 years ago, so I'm setting the stage here. It says, with not hold good from them to whom it is due, but it was in thy power of thy hand to do it. Say not to thy neighbor, go and come again, and tomorrow I will give thee when thy hazeth by thee. Now, it's obviously talking about giving. And we have, and you know, we have a number of spiritual gifts. I'm going to ask you a question: What is your spiritual gift? If you're saved, you have a spiritual gift. You have something that God has given you. Now, let me let me say this because sometimes we get confused. It doesn't mean you're the best at it, because we all can't be the best at something. But it's something that comes natural to you. Something that God has either given you naturally or developed. Sometimes it's the developed gift. Giving is one of them. Now, sometimes we talk about, and if you want to look at spiritual gifts, there there in Romans. Um, it's not always about money. Sometimes giving is a skill. Sometimes it's wisdom that, that God has given you. Sometimes it's a talent that God has given you. 
And a person doesn't have to be wealthy to give. Look what he says. He says, when it is thy power of thy hand to do it. He doesn't say it's only for those that have been blessed financially or blessed something. When you have the power, we are to give. And of course, we're to give for the right reasons. We're to give for the other, for, for our fellow Christian. And of course, we're to give to the glory to the Lord. Now, Sometime before this, though, God uses moments. Remember I said I'm talking about that he uses situations. I'm sitting in church, and I can't remember how old I was. I was I'm going to guess in my teens. And our deacon of our, this was at our old church in central Pennsylvania, our deacon stands up, and one of the deacons, and says that there's a person in need of a bone marrow transplant. And I can remember going, huh, should I do that? But you know what? I never did. I never prayed about it further. Now, I was a teenager. I might not even been allowed to give it. But that always stuck with me. Not that I needed to donate. Not that I'm going to donate one Sunday. But whatever happened to that person? Should I have been faithful? Was God calling me to do something then? And I kind of, whether out of fear, whether out of laziness, that I didn't follow through with it. But it always stuck with me. When Donna said that, don't think that that didn't come to mind. Because he used the situation. That's why, by the way, that was in church. So good reason to be in church. Now, eventually we ended up uh, moving to um, eastern Pennsylvania. And I'll talk about that a little bit. God had, had blessed, had, had given me a business. Partners or people that I'd worked with said, we're going to give you a business. We're going to give you part of this business for you to come and run it for us. But two years I had to sit on the sidelines. For two years, I had a non-compete, and I wasn't allowed to work. They were going to pay me, but I had to sit on the sideline for two years. And through this, God had used me and, and, um, we have, and used me in the church. I grew in the church. But eventually, so when it was time to move, and we weren't telling anybody really what was happening. They all thought I was nuts because I just quit my job. All they knew is I quit my job, and I wasn't working. But I really didn't want to say anything because, A, I didn't want my old company. And we, we, I, withheld the, I, I held the non-compete. I didn't do anything. But just to not cause any issues, I just kept it quiet. So here we find a house. And we have found a house that could have been like 30-mile radius of where we thought the plant was. So you're talking about 45-minute drive in any direction. And we weren't even sure where the plant was going to be. They were, built, they were going to put a new facility in to run. And I'm at my partner's the one day. And they said, oh, we're going to look at a building down. Oh, it's down here in the south in this area called Avondale. You might want to go there. I said, oh, we hadn't looked at that. So I tell Julie, of course, who's in charge of finding the house. And we go down there. And of all the, the areas we want, it was like, this is where we want to be. It was, it was more like central Pennsylvania, where we had come from. And we just had peace about it. And so we go, we build a house. Didn't even have the money to put down on the house. My house sells in a month cash for the house, and we buy the house. Finally, I get to the point of telling my church that we're going to move. And so I tell my pastor, I said, you know, I'm moving um, because there was, I needed to tell him for some ministry reasons. And he said, oh, where are you going? I said, a place called Avondale. He's like, Ara, I was a youth leader in West Grove. I'm like, where's West Grove? He's like, that is Avondale. I was a youth leader in that same town. Would you like me to help you find a church? Yes, please, because I have this list of churches that, you know, that have become important to me. Obviously, where am I going to serve? Where are we going to worship? And I have this list of 10 churches. He goes, I have a friend there. Let me get you a couple names. Gives me two names. You know what was first on the list? New London Baptist. 
And I had this plan of visiting churches. We were going to visit churches. We were going to go, and how often do you get to visit churches, right? You find your home church, this is your church. You don't get to visit churches. We were going to go, and we were going to sit back in the pews and just observe everything and see what type of people. We went to New London. We never left. I think God was like, yeah, shh, you just, you just have your plans. Um, and so we, st- we, Lord led us to New London. Now, what was the chances of my youth pastor? My pastor happened to be a youth leader just during the summer times in West Grove. So the Lord led us there to that. So the next thing he walked with me through. Now, as, as born-again Christians, we disagree on things. Did you know that? We disagree on different doctrines. We disagree on a number of things. But I think one thing, one thing we better all agree on is that we're to love the Lord. If anybody came up and told me that they're a born-again Christian, saved by faith and repentance, and they don't love the Lord, or that we shouldn't love the Lord, we need to have a talk. Because there's something you missed. All right? That we're to love the Lord. Now, I'm not saying we don't always act like we should love the Lord, but we would agree that we love the Lord. And in 1 John 4.19, he says, we love him because he first loved us. But what's that look like? How do we show that? We'll turn to uh, John 14. We'll do a little bit of jumping around here. This is how God kind of walked me through this. Something that just spoke to me. So John 14, verse 15. I'll give you a second. And he says, if ye love me, keep my commandments. Now we disagree on that. We disagree on what are the commandments. What are the commandments? Is that for Israel? Is that for us? And by the way, if you're looking to determine if something's a commandment, chances are you're looking to get out of something. I, I, my advice is stay away from it. But um, we disagree on the commandments. Well, I will tell you 100% right now what is the commandment because Christ said it himself. Flip over to John 13, just one back, uh, verse 34. He says, a new commandment I give unto you that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By the way, commandment, same exact word, even though the one's plural, same exact word in the Greek. Love, same exact word, it's agape, right? One's the verb form, one's the noun form, but it's the same word. And in verse 35, look, he goes even further, and he says, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love for one another. The impact that we make on this world isn't because we say we're Christians. This isn't even our obedience. He says, how they will know is by this. It's by the love that we show for our fellow believers. So what's love look like? Right? We, it's an emotion. We know we have an emotion. But what does it look like? Because this world has a very different definition of love than, than, than what God is. So God didn't even leave it up to us. He says, I'll define it for you. Turn over to 1 Corinthians 13. We're not going to preach on this. We're just going to go through these really quickly. I don't even know what time it is. Oh, good. Plenty of time. 1 Corinthians 13. And you know this is, uh, those that you know, this is called the love chapter. And what's nice is it didn't even leave for us to define love. But at the end of chapter 12, he says this. But covet earnestly the best gifts. And yet I show you a more excellent way. And he starts in verse 13. And though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, 
I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Now that word charity is agape. Why is it charity? This is why I, I, I like and use the King James Version. It's specific to a love that we have towards each other. This is not our love towards God. He's defining that love that we have towards each other. That's why they use the word charity. I'm become as a sounding brass or a clinging symbol. He says, and though I have all the, the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And I would bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profits me nothing. And then he goes in to describing what love is. And you know, the funny thing is I'm kind of walking around here. <laughs> you guys have it on the sides of the church, so you're aware of this. So he says, charity suffereth long. It means it's patient. The word patience in the Bible actually has a different meaning than our word, but our word patient is suffereth long. We wait without resentment or being hurt or mistreated. It's kind. And then this isn't just, oh, morning, how are you? This is active. This is action. It involves acting for the good of others. It doesn't benefit ourselves. It says, envieth not. We're happy for what others have. Vaunteth not itself. Does not brag or boast. Love isn't about me. It's not about you. It's not about self-promotion. If it is, then it's not love. It's for the benefit of others and for the Lord. Is not puffed up, not arrogant. Arrogant is our confidence in ourselves above all others and thinking everyone else should think the same way. We remove ourselves when we love. Does not behave itself unseemly, is not rude. We don't act in such a way at the expense of other people. Seeketh not our own, does not insist on having its own way. Not easily provoked. Others' actions, because we love them, don't easily set us off. Thinketh no evil. We're not resentful. Don't keep score or hold things against each other. We show forgiveness when we're wrong. Rejoice not in iniquity, but rejoice in the truth. We're not happy, obviously, when something bad happens. Something We know that's wrong when it's out of envy, right? If you're envious of something, we can say that's sin. But even when they deserve it, we're not happy. Love doesn't do that. Remember, these are brothers and sisters in Christ we're talking about who were, who were loved. Beareth all things. It's not limited. You ever hear somebody say, I can only take so much? Now, this doesn't mean that if we're in an abusive relationship, we stay in that relationship. You can still separate yourself from abuse and love. We can love from a distance. Believeth all things. We trust. And it's not about being gullible, but it means not doubting someone's motives. Remember who the person's accountable to. God. Hopeth all things. We rejoice when others have victory. This is the opposite of rejoice in iniquity, but it's active. We have confidence that God is going to do something in their lives. Endureth all things. You don't stop loving because it gets hard. And then he summarizes in this. He said, love never fails. And by the way, do you know each of these are verbs? If you look at the structure, they're verbs, they're actions. Love is an emotion, but it's shown by how we act. So why did I donate? We're called in love. It's not this feeling that I had for Donna, this gushy feeling. I, I, I told you, and that's why I went through all that. I didn't know Donna at all. But sometimes we have to make ourselves love. 
Because, see, my life has been about me. And by the way, I'm not saying me personally always sometimes we think, oh, you're selfish. Well, yes, I am. But it's more my, my wife. Well, that's not, look how he loves his wife. You know what? But it's still my wife, my friends, my church, my church overseas. Things that are associated with me. I didn't know Donna. Donna did, offered me nothing. And yes, she went to my church, but someone else could have done it. But I don't like to talk about this because, again, this becomes about me, and it shouldn't be about me. It's for the Lord, and it was for Donna. Right? And I praise that he just continues to use this. But you know what? This was no big deal. Not compared to what Christ did for every one of us. And you know what? We focus on the cross, and we should. But do you know everything that he gave up? Turn to, turn to Philippians. We have two things, two chapters. We're done here in five minutes. Turn to Philippians 2. We'll start in verse 1. Almost done. And if there, there, and if, if there be any consolation, any encouragement, it means in Christ... If any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being one accord of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliest of mind. Listen, let each other esteem others better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Remember, he says also there. It's not even commanding, like, don't look on your own things, but also look on the things of others. Now listen to this. Let, the, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, you need, a, you need a verse that he is God, right there it is. Being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. That means what he gave up. That means he didn't think that, oh, yeah, I am God. You have to. He gave up heaven. And did what? Made himself of no reputation and took upon them the form of a servant. He became us. The creator left heaven and became us. Feeling what we felt. Hunger. You know, pain. And made in the likeness of men. And what he did, he found it in fashion as a man, being humbled himself and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross. Christ, he's still, by the way, did you know that? The, the form, that the, the resurrected body, he's still in. He's permanently in that. It's not a human body anymore. The body will get one day, but he remains that. In Revelation, they tell a lamb slain for the world. The, the, the scars are still there. He gave that up for us. Did he want to? Well, he wouldn't have asked for the cup to be taken from him. But he was obedient. Why? Because he loves us that much. He loves me that much. So when I'm, I'll end with this. So I'm sitting there on the bed, waiting. I have these needles in me and these ugh, terrible things um, on the bed. And you ever have verses come up on your phone? Anybody have the Bible app that verses come up on your phone? As I'm sitting there, and I, this is the honest truth. Bible verse comes up on my app. Turn to, turn to 1 John. 
chapter 3. I'm going to tell you the verse that comes up, and I read that. And it was verse 16. And hereby we love, hereby we, hereby perceive we the love of God because he's laid down our lives for us, that we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. I'm like, really? I'm about to go into surgery and you give me this. So you know what I did though? I read the whole chapter. And we're going to read the whole chapter. I'm, I, I'm sitting there, really? Like, all right, so not just the whole chapter. We're going to start in verse 14. It says, we know we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby we perceive the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, that we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whosoever hath this world's good, and seeth his brother, have need, kind of like Proverbs, right? And shutteth up the bowels of compassion from him. How dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And he ends with this, with this thought. And hereby we know that we are of, of the truth and shall, and shall assure our hearts before him. So are you loving each other? Are you loving those that aren't lovable? It's easy to love those that are close to us. But God calls us to love. And it looks a certain way. So I hope that's been a blessing to you. Let's see, walk me to it. And again, I hate talking about it. I will never talk about it to a person. Um, but I hope that it blesses you and I hope the Lord uses it. You know, it's interesting sometimes that we say... Well, I, I couldn't do that. Um, the Bible says that we can do all things through Christ which strengthens us. And it's incredible to think that the Lord would lay that on Ara's heart to do that, not in his strength and not for his glory, and not because he got anything out of it at all, but because that's what the Lord was asking him to do. And you know, the Lord may never ask us to do anything as spectacular as that, but sometimes we fail to do even the smallest of things that the Lord has asked us to do. You know, if we were honest with ourselves, sometimes the Lord just asks us to be in church. And we can't even do that. Oh, I can't make it every service. The Lord asks us to speak to somebody. Oh, I can't do that because I'm too frightened. Or the Lord asks us to just make more of a commitment to him. The next time you make an excuse, I just want you to realize what God can do with a vessel that is willing to just be obedient to what the Lord asks us. Pastor Ed always used to say, God will never ask you to do anything that he won't also equip you to do it. And I'm just thankful for the fact that I was just obedient, not because of who Donna was, but because of who God was. Um, and again, it's just incredible to know that what the Lord lays on our hearts to do will always give us the strength to do it and will always receive the glory for it. So I appreciate, I know, I know the type of person that Arthur is, he doesn't like talking about that, he doesn't, to him it's like, well, that's what the kid needs. But I know the Lord is still getting the glory from it, even now, and it might not mean much to him, 
but it means everything to Donna, and uh, you know it 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 changed her life. And again, like Ara said, salvation might not mean anything to a lost will, the preaching of the cross to them that perishes foolishness. But to us who've received his gift of eternal life, it means everything. So I just pray that we would keep that in mind the next time we think, I can't tell that person. We can, because God will give us the strength to do it. Amen. All right, let's stand and sing our last hymn together. What a fellowship, what a joy divine. Lean in on the everlasting arms and we stand as we sing. Father God, we do thank and praise you again as we be here this morning. We uh, are thankful, Lord, for the reminder again of your great and active love that you have for us. Lord, how encouraged we are when we hear testimony from brothers and sisters on how you've worked in their lives. 
And Father, we're thankful for Aaron and Julie for their fellowship and fellowship with New London uh, Church there. And we pray continue blessing on the work over there. And Father, I pray uh, now for us that you help us to meditate on all that we've heard this morning uh, and help us, Lord, to love you as we should and to love each other as we should and are called to do. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>